Hello lovely people. Welcome to another episode of Vanguard Central. In this series of podcasts, we shed light on stories shaping Africa and we draw from our work and that of experts from across the continent discussing issues of economic development and social transformation. In this episode, it's going to be very very hilarious and it's going to be very different from what you have heard before. The title is Collecting Qualitative Data in Rwanda. So it will be a phone call with a colleague where we'll have interesting conversation around qualitative research and then uh, the experience from working here in Rwanda. Hi Isabel, welcome. We're so happy to have you. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. Thank you so much Elise for having me. Yeah, so how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great and energetic. Uh, how about you? I'm feeling great too. Um, yeah, I'm feeling very energetic today. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so how is Kira here? Hi, um, hi. It's so cold. <laughs> First of all, so cold. Um, but uh, I'm loving my stay. Uh, they have like loving people. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be in Kirehe, and Kirehe is really. Um, it looks good. They have good weather, and yeah, I'm looking to uh, forward to uh, collecting um, data in this area. And this is my first time to to be in Kirehe, so I'm excited and looking forward to talk to people in this area. How is Kigali? Kigali is nice. Uh, we don't have rain, which is good. So it's a bit sunny, but great. And it's giving energy. So the weather is nice, a bit chilly, but without uh, the rain. So it's, it's really nice. We're energized. Yeah. So uh, about Kirehe, do you feel like you're nervous or you're excited? Which feeling do you have? Not at all. I'm, I'm feeling excited. Excited and ready. All right. That's nice. That's really nice. So to kick off this conversation, because we kept talking about qualitative research, and I think there, there might be some people who don't know what it is. So I think we can start by answering what qualitative research is. First of all, giving a little bit of background of about that in general, and then, yeah, and take it from there. Yeah. Qualitative research is um, a type of research methodology uh, that seeks to understand the underlying reasons, opinions, and motivations behind people's behavior um, and experiences. Um, unlike quantitative research, um, which relies on numerical data and statistical uh, analysis, um, qualitative research uses non-numerical um, data as such as interviews, focus group, observations, um, and document analysis to gather uh, rich, in-depth information about a particular topic uh, or phenomenon. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, sure. I I actually agree with you because I'm not a math lover and uh, (laughs) I'm glad I'm in the qualitative strand. So it's really great to actually discover the whys and hows um, especially around some interesting topics in agriculture and trade economics. So I really like the, the fact that um, qualitative data research brings the, the flesh on the skeleton. And the skeleton, to me, I see it as the quantitative uh, data. And um, so there is that part, but it brings in the flesh, like as in why and how are things happening uh, in a certain way, especially in communities, because uh, things tend to vary from one community to another. So it's quite interesting. And um, in the Vanguard economics context, it's, it's even more interesting. Uh, I love the way we have the qualitative um, 
part, the collective strand, as part of the data and mail uh, division. And we have an amazing team. I would say we have an amazing team. I hope you agree with me, Isabel. <laughs> of, course, of course. We have a beautiful young team who are very yes. dedicated to do this and who enjoy what they do. So, yeah. I agree with you, hundred percent. Yes, and I really like the fact that uh, we are groomed within the qualitative research by the experts, by some experts in in house, and I love the way the teaching is done from the like the way we do research. So we start from conceptualizing uh, the whole thing, and then uh, making inception reports and uh, designing interview guides, and then we collect the data, and then we. We learn how to actually crop, we learn how to um, code the data, how to analyze the data. And then I feel like this whole journey has been really insightful for me. And I feel like it's contributed to me actually, me being actually here, talking about qualitative research. And I don't know what about you, Isabel. What excites you more in terms of um, the context of Spangard economics? It's quite the same. It's quite the same. I've learned a lot by doing and with uh, the expertise of um, the people we have around us. So it's been really great to work with you all, actually. Yeah. All right. So let's give a window of our journey to actually to our audience uh, by telling them um, our journey uh, throughout Sangat economics, but also in qualitative research in general. You want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, hmm. I love uh, sharing uh, my experience, my work journey. So I began my career with Vanguard Economics as an enumerator and back checker for quantitative data collection in late 2019. Yes. Um, later on, I took on the role um, of a moderator and a transcriber for the qualitative component. And in November 2021, I became a full-time um, junior analyst in qualitative research with Vanguard and have grown from there. So what, yes. Um, yes, I would say that. Yeah, that's how I entered this this um, research world. And uh, if you ask me um, how I chose my career, I I can say I chose it. It chose me. Uh, I've learned through hands-on experience. Yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you, uh, how did you transition from quantitative research to qualitative research? Well. Um, you see, the both methodologies are about talking to people, right? So yeah. uh, by me being an enumerator, I was uh, talking to people but had um, to ask exactly the questions from the questionnaire. You know, you, you can't just jump a question. You have to go um, by how they are, they are set. But with yeah. qualitative, you know, um, we... It's open-ended questions, yes. so you ask depending on how someone is answering. So, you know, I had that that experience of collecting data, then used that to build up um, uh, another experience for qualitative components. And that's how I started, and I loved it and stayed in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear. I actually couldn't agree with you more because... Um, I really like the flexibility uh, in terms of qualitative research, and uh, though it's a bit, to be honest with you, I was actually challenged uh, in terms of qualitative research 
because I feel like I intensively did the work when we reached avant-garde economics because I used to like I used to be in statistical analysis, uh, epidemiology because I've done public health, and so it was more of quant. Uh, quantitative data analysis and, and and collection. That when I reached there uh, and I saw how flexible the interview guide could be, I actually got lost. Like, um, <laughs> uh, how do you probe? Especially the probing part was the hardest for me. Like, you need to make sure that you ask intensive questions from different angles, making sure that you grasp all the information, the insights from the interviewee. So it was. To be honest, that was really the challenge for me, and I hadn't seen such a thing throughout my journey because I had been part of many researches in public health and in global health, but I hadn't really juggled with qualitative research till I, I reached Vatican Economics as a young impact associate. And it's been really nice to learn how to actually probe during an interview, how to ask the right questions to get um, the right answers. And especially the, the fact that uh, sometimes you ask somebody a question and they don't want to answer. And then how do you rephrase the question a bit later to make sure that you grasp? So it's a bit, yeah, the flexibility was really hard for me. I don't know. How did you actually go around that? Like, was it challenging for you or it was just for me? Oh, well, uh, hmm. I don't remember because it's been quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um it wasn't a challenge for me to to transition uh because you know as you know me I'm I'm I'm, I'm this person, right? <laughs> yes. It didn't challenge me this much plus um I didn't have that, that uh, other good uh, and long-term experience with quantitative data collection even if I started from there. So it was a yeah. big challenge for me. All right. So when did you yes. you you want to do the full? Um, you want to be a full time qualitative analyst? Yeah, actually, I recall this day very well because uh, we were. It was part of the Young Impact Associate, and it was the first time. And just a quick background of Young Impact Associate. It's basically uh, this program of Mastercard Foundation for one year, and we're being groomed into monitoring, evaluation, and learning. And so in the first week when we came, uh, I recall we were asked to actually choose like between the quantitative and qualitative strands. And everybody was like, I'm going for the quantitative research. For me, it was quite clear from the get-go. I wanted to do qualitative research because I, I feel like I hadn't had experience in um, in qualitative research. I, I had extensively worked in quantitative research from data collection to the analysis, and I was pursuing my master's and basically using the quantitative research. So I wanted to have something different. I wanted to actually see what a mixed method can do. So I wanted to have that qualitative mm. research yeah, knowledge. And so from the get-go, mm. I, I knew I wanted I wanted qualitative research. Yeah. I love this thing about you. Like, you go for things that are more challenging. Good. It's a good um thing. It's a good um yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh my god, this is making my week. <laughs> so uh what is the most challenging thing to you in terms of uh qualitative research? Well, um the most 
difficult thing, like the most challenging thing um, that happened to me or happens to me when collecting qualitative data um, involves the last minute cancellations of people um, that I recruit. So uh, locating participants may be straightforward, but seeking their attendance on specific dates or times can prove difficult due to the um, the constant changes and environment. Uh, and additionally, um, some individuals may go, sometimes they go off topic with information, which can be time consuming um, when there are like numerous or many questions. Over. I can say that those things have been really uh, the main challenges um, for me when I collect uh, or when I'm to collect uh, qualitative. Yeah, I, I actually agree. So I, I'm actually curious to know because I've actually also uh, made the same challenge when we were collecting some qualitative data in in this previous project I was working in. And you would talk to somebody, they're, they're like, okay, come tomorrow at 8 a.m. and you show up, the person is not there. How, what do you do like, in, in such situations? What did you do? Yeah, uh, when, to, like to address this, challenges of this one challenge of um, last minute cancellations, I try to secure multiple uh, replacements in case of inavailability. I put people on standby uh, so that if one person uh, postpones it, uh, postpone uh, the interview or uh, cancels on the last minute, I get other people because most of the times we'd be rushing. So we, we'd be having like deadlines of data collection. So you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that because it's not a good practice. So you have to have um, as many replacements uh, in place as possible. All right. But on that, on that note, I, I will not agree with you 100%. And this is why, really for key commands, uh, sometimes you can't really replace them. Like, let's say somebody who's working in a certain organization, and you really need to talk to that person. And there is, or maybe a minister, a certain minister of an organization, a CEO of an organization, there are no other CEOs of same organizations. So I recall uh, an interview that we were supposed to have um, with a CEO of an organization, and we reached there, and they're like, we don't want to be recorded. And unfortunately, on that day, we hadn't gone with the um, transcribers on the spot, so we had, and there was no way we were going to capture all the information because it has to, it had to be a conversation and she had limited time. So I, I think one of the things that really helped us in, in, in that situation was that we, we scheduled with them. But uh, fortunately, they were available in the same week. I guess that actually also can help in some instances where people are not, where people are, you cannot find a replacement for that person. Because I, I feel like that thing tends to happen, especially in key informants, where, yes, you, you won't find two CEOs of one organization. So you need to talk to them. Yeah. Right. Uh, there could be exceptions. Of course, uh, what I meant was like uh, on a general note, on a general note, that's what, how I do it. And you're right, um, when it comes to key informants, they, they have no replacement and you have to continue um, like talking to them, um, requesting more appointments. So, yeah. Yeah. This actually makes me curious, Isabel. What is the most memorable interview that you've had? Hi. Hi. I work later on a project which involved engaging with um, prominent business owners in Rwanda. This project is a memorable one. Why? Hi. Because initially, um, I I thought it would be like a quick task, confidence in my ability to pick people's interest in research participation. It turned out to be more challenging than I anticipated due to the yeah. busy schedules of the of the business owners as we just 
um, uh, state. And as a result, it took several months to reach the desired number of, of uh, respondents. Yeah. So what did you learn from it, from the whole exercise? So what I learned, my lesson, uh, the lessons I, I, I learned from this experience is to avoid being overly um, op- optimistic and making promises. Instead, it's important to approach each project with a unique perspective while incorporating past uh, experiences. This is what I can say. Oh my God, that, that's really nice. It, it's so nice. Uh, I, it actually reminded me of this interview that I've, I've, I've done uh, in the past. It was um, with youth on a certain island in the Western province uh, of Rwanda, and it was a focus group discussion, and we were supposed to have uh, mothers, young ladies, and young men. So when we were doing the focus group discussion, especially for mothers, the challenge we met was actually finding a place that can... Um, where all mothers can be together because the place we had found was on the road and people kept passing by and <laughs> overheading the conversation. So it was really hard. Oh my God. That we had to move several times. And then when we were moving to other places, men would be curious. They would like, make sure that they passed by uh, the house to overhear what's going on. <laughs> Because they wanted to know like what what, what was going on. Because you can imagine on an island, it's isolated. They used to having certain people like they used to having their community members around, and now they see these people coming, external people coming in, and uh, it was a team. And then we're sitting with their women. So what are we talking about? What are we <laughs> telling the women? <laughs> It was really, <laughs> you know. So it was. It was really funny and exciting to see, <laughs> you know, like we had to move around here from here to there because it was really a sensitive topic. Where so how did you how did you handle the situation? Because you you it wasn't possible for you to interview uh, the women um, while the men are around and over. Heading what you, you were discussing. So what we actually did, uh, it was we we ended up securing this place. Uh, it was um, it was a place where they used to to do some weaving. So we went there and we're like, okay, let's use this one. And we closed all the windows and closed the doors so that we can have um, as much confidentiality as possible because it was something related to social, uh, to social stigma. So it was stigma related to women. So obviously it had to be in a confidential way. So we had to close all the doors and windows and go in that house and discuss. And it was really interesting to see how uh, it can actually vary from one community to another. Because I, I believe if we were to have a focus group discussion here in Kigali, I believe people wouldn't be that curious. But then because it was an isolated island, people were interested. They wanted to know what we're telling the women. So it was mm. it was really funny. <laughs> um, so Elise, I have a quick one um, to build on what you just said. How would you describe the qualitative data research landscape in Rwanda? I would actually say that it's quite unique. And this is why. Because... Remember, the qualitative research involves insights. It involves perspectives from different people, like uh, how, like in the other uh, research I was talking about, like what are some of the interests of mothers in terms of social stigma or on the topic we are uh, discussing in, in that time. So, since it involves different insights, and I love 
that in Rwanda there is um like Rwanda we have the same culture, we have the same language, we have the same um I would say the same way of doing things. Mm. So in a way it's quite uh interesting because I feel like uh, a language barrier wouldn't be a problem because um when you look at other um qualitative data researches that are being done in other countries you'd find that they've had uh issues maybe um, navigating the language barriers where a certain community was using this language and the other one wasn't using it, so they had to have multiple translations. They had to use a huge team that used different languages to be able to talk to different people. But it doesn't, in, in, in our random culture, because we have um, the same language, we have relatively the same way of doing things, I would say that it makes it easier for the conceptualization and designing the interview guides and getting the insights um, from um, actually the, the field. And based on actually the other research I was talking about, because um, it was in, on an island and they have this other, there's another language that they use uh, among themselves, but then they also knew Kinyarwanda, right? So it was really easy because when we reached, they were using their own language. We were like, oh my God, so how are we going to communicate with them? And eventually, it was, they were using, like they had their own slang that they were using that we couldn't understand. But uh, fortunately, we were, they, they knew Kinyarwanda as well. So the interviews were done in Kinyarwanda and it made it easier for us, the team, to actually probe. Because you can imagine if you cannot probe a question properly because uh, maybe a certain word you're using it doesn't really mean the same thing in their community, or maybe it's like offensive in their community. So there will be those challenges that um, in Rwanda we don't have, and I find it very nice and easier to conduct qualitative data collection as opposed to other countries. Yes. Yeah. So, Isabel, mm-hmm. uh, what advice would you give someone who wants to join uh, the field of qualitative research, or maybe to rephrase it properly, to rephrase this question properly, um, what advice would you give, would you have given yourself before joining the qualitative um, data realm? Yeah. Um, thanks for this question. Like, engaging in qualitative research can be uh, an enjoyable an informative experience as it involves frequent interactions with people and allowing you to gain knowledge about various subjects and continually um, sharpening your mind. Um, however, like one must possess um, a flexible and adaptable mindset as well as its attitude to effectively uh, undertake this type of research. Well, I'm curious to know what you think about this. Like, what advice would you give? So basically, the advice I would give them is to go in with an open mind. Like, we tend to go in research and we feel like, as researchers, you feel like you know everything. And it's so interesting the things you actually learn about a community that you would have never thought actually even existed. So it's always good to go in there with an open mind. And then if you've had uh, encounters with quantitative data research, don't go in there with a quantitative mindset. Because I've had like some of, of my colleagues who will be asking me, let's say we're coding something or we're trying to retrieve some segments, and they're like, how do we know that this thing is going to be, uh, how do we inference this to the whole population? And then I'm like, that's not how qualitative research works. It provides the whys, like why and how. So it's subjective to a certain community, to certain people. 
So there is no way we can inference that because, you know, in quantitative research, you, you have a sample and then you inference that uh, to the whole community, like to the whole population, and you can easily say a certain percentage of youth think that um, uh, this and that is this way. But in qualitative research, it's not that case. So it's always good to go in there with an open mind and then uh, ready to learn and to probe and uh, making sure that you actually have, uh, you don't have the quantitative uh, mindset, the rigidity, because qualitative research is very, very flexible and it's really nice, actually. All right, all right. I guess this marks the end of our conversation. Thank you so much, Isabel. And this was really, really insightful. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, your expertise with us. And I hope the audience uh, learned a thing or two. So this marks the end. I'm still here whenever they feel like asking me any questions. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day. All right. Thanks to everyone who is listening to us. Remember to like and share this podcast in your network. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and picked lessons to use in your future research uh, projects. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to email us at vanguardcentral at vanguardeconomics.com. Stay tuned for more episodes. Cheers.